My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything. Because what we do, feel, or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? So one of the things that he's popularized is having an MTP, a massively transformative purpose. You know, how are you going to help a billion people and oh, right, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, yeah. And I spent I spent a while thinking, well, what's my MTP? You know, what's my thing? And then I realized, actually, I don't have one because my my purpose, my contribution is that if I can unplug and I say unplug, um, but if I can help one person optimize themselves, really build true health from the inside out and create a life that they love, Brand building and entrepreneurship, holistic marketing, health and fitness, and living a life that feeds us are the subjects we traverse on this show today. It is a deep conversation about the world in which we live and how to find your story and the path towards your best life. Ollie Herman Taylor was always inspired by images, shapes and form. And while at school, he discovered a passion for design, spending his days doodling and creating logos and drawings. At college, he got a degree in English, but on leaving, he went into the building industry, working on site in the family business. Carrying bricks up and down ladders made him strong and fit, and it gave him appreciation for the movement and using his body. But the inspiration to design was calling, and it was either music or clothing. Feeling he might be tone deaf, he went with the clothing. He started a t-shirt design business, producing shirts and selling them on the London street markets. T-shirts were never going to make him money, so he looked to his other passion, snowboarding. He designed a unique snowboarding jacket and found a company that agreed to make it if he could sell 500 jackets. They would support him. He returned with an order for 5,000 and his business was born. He was 23 years old, starting a business with no plan, and it worked. For seven years, he did amazing stuff. He created a lifestyle business, taking it to over a million pounds. But that journey involved compromise, and it stopped feeding his soul. Now with a young family, he sold the brand and took some time out to be with his kids and consider his next steps. He transitioned to health and fitness and set about creating a natural fitness brand and this time it did not go so easy. Seven years later he was depressed, in debt and unhappy. Our conversation is about the journey out of the hole that he created. He discovered the dark sides of marketing in the fitness industry and as already mentioned this is a deep conversation about this world and and what the systems will do to us if we let it. Today, Ollie Herman Taylor calls himself a biohacker, a high performance coach. He helps entrepreneurs upgrade their mindset, transform their health and uncover their purpose to create the life they love. He's also the host at the Torchbearer podcast and the co-founder of Rare Partners, a story-based communications agency. Let's join the conversation with Ollie Herman Taylor. I love these conversations. Always something new to learn. So, Ollie, where did it all start for you? 
Oh, that's a that's a big question. I think in terms of entrepreneurship and understanding who I was and what I what I cared about, really, it started at school. I suppose i I used to I was I performed okay at school. I wasn't you know kind of not paying attention the whole time, but I used to doodle a lot. I used to spend a lot of time kind of drawing and designing logos. And um, for some reason, I liked my music and I always wanted to kind of have either a record label or a clothing company. Uh, now, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of tone deaf. My kids always, you know, plead with me not to sing. So I was leaning more towards the clothing side. But I, I grew up with those brands, those lifestyle brands, Quicksilver and Billabong and the Surf and the Snow brands. And I kind of loved that culture and the lifestyle, but also the designs and what the brands stood for. So, um, yeah, I, I was sort of always doodling those bits and pieces. And then I left school, went to university, did a degree in English literature, which was a big mistake because uh, it didn't really help me do anything. Uh, and I was working on a building site, um, you know, in my early 20s as a labourer. And I was keeping really fit and really strong, car- carrying hods of bricks. In, in the, the days, days when, when they carried like, hods of bricks, yeah. yeah. We used yeah, to basically yeah. climb ladders all day with like a, a hod of 12 bricks on your um, shoulder. So you like squatting, lifting, bending. So I, I kind of liked it. I, I'm a physical person, but I knew that that was not really where my kind of path lay. So um, I decided to leave that job. I was there for about a year and a half and I just took the plunge, uh, quit and decided to launch my own clothing company, as you do, out of the blue. It's <laughs> a bit um, of a jump, isn't it, from brick carrying to launching a clothing company? Yeah, I guess. I mean, there is a reason for the the, the building side. Um, my, my stepdad, who brought me up since I was seven, uh, no longer with us, bless him. He was a property developer and he, ah. he he basically he's got a really fascinating story, which I won't go too much into. But he he was a he was a chartered accountant. His dad forced him to become a chartered accountant, but he was a born entrepreneur and he he hated accountancy and he used to sort of cry himself to sleep, basically. But he ended up becoming a partner at KPMG. And then when he couldn't take it anymore, he uh, he quit and became uh, a a property developer and he literally started digging the foundations for his first property and anyway he built up this business and so my kind of line of thinking was that I could go into the family business so Mm. there is a connection to building but Mm. um I quickly realized I wasn't you know I'm I'm not sort of um suited maybe to kind of practical (laughs) things as much as I am to creative things so yeah the clothing side I just I'd always wanted to do it it was a dream and so I just took the plunge I thought right let's go for it and 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 let's get stuck in and uh, so I quit my job um, and started designing T-shirts and selling them at Portobello Road Market <coughs> in, in London. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was super cool. It was, you know, it was a, a massive learning curve. Um, the best thing about that, and I've, I haven't had that since, is that customer interaction. So I used to design T-shirts, take them up to the kind of, you know, market at three in the morning, lay out my stool, and you just have members of the public coming along and looking at them and asking you questions. And so, you know, I, I sold quite a few and built up a little bit of a mini reputation with my brand. Um, but uh, there wasn't much money in T-shirts. And so I kind of needed to, you know, build a company and mm. pay the bills. And um, so I looked, I needed to look for a higher value product. And I love snowboarding. I love surfing, as I'd said. And all of those kind of like board sports, anything that slides or rolls. Uh, and so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to make a snowboarding jacket because, you know, that's obviously more expensive. It's higher value. Yeah. Uh, so I got a piece of paper out and sketched out what I thought was a, a good snowboarding jacket, like on a, on a piece of paper. And then I phoned every, every clothing manufacturer in the UK who had links to manufacturing clothing um, and managed to get hold of this guy in Leeds. And it turned out to be the MD of a company that had been going for quite a while. And they made ski wear and all sorts of different brands. And um he obviously liked something about my energy and my, I guess, craziness uh, and invited me up to Leeds. I hopped on a train with a few sketches, literally just sketches, um, and 
you know, divert, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of vomited up my vision, I guess, onto <laughs> him. <laughs> and they said, okay, we'll make some prototypes for you. You know, we've got manufacturing in the Far East. We can make some prototypes, but here's the deal. If you can, we'll make you the prototypes. If you can go and sell 500, then we're in business and we'll set something up and we'll support you. Um, so I, I went off with absolutely not a clue of you know any of how any of this works. Um, and I contacted every retailer now in the UK yeah. uh, and you know all of the small surf shops and snow shops that I loved and respected and hung out in and you know basically spent money in yeah none of them were interested you know new brand no track record no. and if they were interested they wanted like five pieces on sale <laughs> or return or they wanted sort of 120 days credit and so it was it was just absolutely a killer for a new business um and and I was sort of contacting people and the last business I went to contact was TK Maxx and I thought I'll give them a shot I don't think I don't know if they really do this sort of stuff but they did they they were building up their snowwear department um Anyway, I had a meeting with the buyer and um, instead of ordering 500, they ordered 5,000. The fact that they went for something brand new off, you know, unknown, that was impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably giving away a few inside secrets that I uh, would have got into trouble for <laughs> maybe a few years back. But um, no, I mean, they, they, they do a, a, a big blend of stuff and they have a fantastic, well, they had a fantastic snow range back in the days. Um, so I, I phoned up the guy in Leeds and said, you know, you know, you said I needed to um, sell 500. Well, I've sold 5,000. So <coughs> how's that? And they were very excited and I'm suddenly sure. started treating treating me like a, a special person. And, you know, I was like <laughs> 23, literally not a clue. You know, my, 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 the most business experience I'd had was pitching my stepdad, who was this entrepreneur and property developer, and my brother, who's five years older than me and was kind of, you know, had started his own financial business. And I remember pitching them and asking them if I could borrow five grand to get get things going, you know, all yeah. the T-shirts and... and um, I think they were doing me a favor, but they gave me a really hard time and basically said, look, it's a really crowded market. You don't know what you're doing. You've got yeah. no experience. We think you're going to fail. And so I was like, you know, um, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. I was like, well, okay, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I was so naive and I didn't really uh, entertain the possibility of failure. So I thought, fuck that. I'm going to go and just build this anyway on my own. Uh, and I went and, and, and did it. And then, um, yeah, no, it was fantastic. It was, it, it was, you know, an amazing entrepreneurial start. Um, yeah, and it wasn't really entrepreneur. I was. It wasn't like I was some entrepreneurial person. I was just a creative person with passion, and I, I wanted something. And there was a gap. I mean, in the five thousand jackets is is fantastic, but it's it's the next five thousand and the next five thousand. That's when it starts to really work, isn't it? I mean, yeah, getting an order like that is brilliant. It's a fantastic start. It's lucky. To, to, to be fair, you know, I mean, it's a combination of things. Passion. The the, the the product was really good. It was different to anything else out there on the market, and we had you know, some really good jackets. We ended up making the UK's first recycled shell outerwear and, oh, wow. you know, some really, really cool stuff. It was lovely. And people, pe people liked it. It was a small British independent brand, you know, um, and we were very, you know, we looked after our customers, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's building, you know, it's uh, this, this, this obsession we have now of like scaling, scaling your business and you've got to just grow for the sake of growth. And um, that wasn't really my mindset at the time. So I was very happy with this independent brand that was really a lifestyle business so essentially i worked like three months a year pretty much and then the rest of the year i kind of um you know did r d let's say <laughs> snowboarding <laughs> yeah yeah Exa exactly so it was kind of a weird it's kind of crazy start to life but i mean it's i was so lucky i was so fortunate i absolutely yeah. loved it yeah 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 so where did that go i mean did you build a large brand on that on that snowboarding thing i mean you said you obviously you had a following by the sounds of it yeah, I mean, I, I started off with these really strong ideals. So I, I, I 
there's a brand out there called Patagonia, which I'm sure you know, mm, and everyone okay. knows, founded by this guy called Yvon Chouna, this like French Canadian guy. And it's just a, it's a really impressive brand. And so when I was young, looking up at them, I wanted to have really sustainable products and products that kind of did as little harm as possible and were cool and lasted a long time. And so that's where I started heading. But you know, I didn't have enough business experience to really understand how to build that brand. And so, you know, we ended up having to do more volume sales and kind of like, you know, push the prices a little bit down and manufacture in China in a traditional way. So I kind of, um, you know, I, I did build it up and I ran it for seven years, just over seven years, actually. And, you know, kind of we, it was tiny compared to the big brands yeah. that are out there. But for me, it was massive. You know, we had a over a million pound turnover, which in, in your kind of mid 20s, with your own business doing something you love was really cool, you know, but I didn't even think about the money. I literally, it, was, it wasn't until quite a few years afterwards. I was like, Oh wow, that, that, that was quite a good business. Wasn't it? Um, so I, I was just in there. I used to sort of get my headphones on, have music on. And do you know about the flow state, you know, the, mm. kind of the, the flow state? Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I didn't know at the time, but I, I'd spend like eight hours just designing, like designing poppers and labels and zippers and, and I was completely absorbed in it and really got into the flow state. And so I just, I just really loved what I did, uh, but I built it up, you know, to, um, to a decent business. And then I, when I realized I couldn't turn it into what I wanted in terms of like the kind of um, sustainable, you know, progressive brand I wanted, um, I kind of fell out of love with it a little bit. And so I, I looked for a way out. Um, and when I started the brand and I was making those t-shirts at the Portobello road market, I, I started being, uh, you know, trained to become a personal trainer on the side because I had to pay the bills because mm. uh, it takes a while to get businesses going and make income. Yeah. And so I became a personal trainer and I realized actually I, I, that's my real passion, like health and fitness and training and movement. And so I was looking for a way to kind of get rid of the clothing brand uh, and transition into health and fitness. And then the recession came along. And I think for a lot of people, they, you know, it was an absolute nightmare. It crushed a lot of businesses in 2008. But for me, it was kind of like this blessing in disguise. It was like, this is my opportunity. This is, um, you know, a little bit of a gift. So I managed to sort of sell the brand to someone else, a uh, competitor who'd been manufacturing things for me. Uh, and then again, you know, like a little pattern for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to shut that door and I'm going to leap into another one. Just going to like leap through this next door. And that next door was uh, health and fitness. Um, and I had this vision, you know, for a new brand. It was called Lean Green Human Being. And it was all about outdoor, natural fitness, barefoot running, lifting rocks, running in the woods. Um, and and that, again, I loved it. I was very passionate about it. This time I was a little bit ahead of the curve. I was a little bit too early on the natural fitness curve. And I think people didn't kind of, they didn't know what to make of it. Um, and yeah, I entered a different phase of my life here, which became a phase of like um, having been successful and loving what I did and, you know, having a great lifestyle sort of seven years later in my mid thirties, I was like basically struggling with a bit of debt, getting into debt. I was broke, you know, debts were piling up and I was kind of stuck in depression with like, I can't make this fitness business work. It's a very different kind of thing. Mm. The industry is used to a certain thing. And, um, so I really struggled in that phase. I had a seven year window, uh, where I, 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 you know, I was kind of like in a real pit, a bit of a bit of a sort of dark place. And, um, you know, I had three kids at the time, uh, fourth on the way. And I found myself one day up in my attic. I had an office in the attic and there was a Velux window. I remember really clearly it was July. I think it was like 2014 maybe. And the sun was streaming through the Velux window and I was at my desk and I was just like crying my eyes out. I was just in sort of tears because I didn't know what to do. I felt very lost and very stuck. And I was, how am I going to pay my bills? I literally don't know how I'm going to, you know, pay the bills at the end of the month, feed the family, 
and I don't know, I literally don't know how to move forwards in my life. So, um, yeah, it's a very different kind of place to where I was before. Mm, that's hard when you hit there. And, and, and when the passion you got for something doesn't fit the reality of what the way you are, it's very difficult. Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, perhaps maybe I have perfectionist tendencies or I'm, I'm kind of a little bit hyper creative. And so I think a lot of creative people um, will resonate with this is that you can see a vision of something in your mind's eye uh, and how you would like things to be. But sometimes the gap between where you are now and where you'd like to be is quite a big gap. And you don't want to start here at the bottom. <laughs> it kind of, um, it feels like you're diluting the vision somehow. And so I had, you know, had a very clear vision of how I wanted the health and fitness business to work, but I actually didn't understand how to market it. What were you selling how- in your health and fitness business? Was it, I mean, cause you, obviously you can't make, you know, you can only directly work with so many people. Was it something a bit more than a direct process? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a Czech practitioner, which, uh, which kind of stands for corrective holistic exercise kinesiology, which, doesn't really mean a lot, but um, it's a holistic approach uh, and uh, created by this guy called Paul Check, who's quite well known. Um, and so what I was doing is I wanted to have people come out to me. I'm, I'm lucky enough to live in um, the middle of nowhere in the woods and I have a little bit of land. And I wanted people to come here. And I was going to I had these three pillars, basically, which is think like a human, eat like a human, move like a human. So we, you know, traditionally bodybuilding has infected health and fitness and it's very we do all these very robotic movements on machines, you know, kind of like they're very, what we call sagittal plane. It's like front to back. So it's like bicep curls. It's like bench press. It's, yeah. So it's all very linear and we don't twist and we don't move side to side enough. And we don't move kind of in 3D enough, if that makes sense. Uh, and so I, I had this concept of moving like a human, which is just uh, using the natural movement patterns that we have, which is squat, lunge, push, pull, twist, bend. Uh, and gait and like walking and running um so i wanted to educate re-educate people like move like a human also eat like a human understand what real food is what you're designed to eat how it works um and uh, think like a human which was and this is this is really interesting because i i was a little bit early as i said this was kind of the beginning of the digital age of things where we're you know the, the 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 web and the kind of you know social media side of things was kicking off a little bit and even then, I had this concept of doing a digital detox and wanting people to spend less time at a computer screen and, and understand how it affects your brain and how you need to get out into nature, basically, mm-hmm. and kind of forest bathing, yeah. all these cool things. Uh, so, yeah, and I was going to have people to come to me. We're going to basically go out. I was going to educate them. But I wanted to do workshops, yeah, for small groups of people who were struggling to lose weight, struggling with their health, um, <clears throat> feeling a little bit lost and maybe wanting to uncover their purpose. Mm. Yeah, and you say you you were in front of the curve on that one. So get, get, getting an audience of that one to even tune into it would have been quite a challenging, particularly in that time. And it, was this 2000, 2014? This was, I guess, was it? Uh, yeah, it was around there. It was a little bit earlier than then. Yeah. I, I think it must have been. You know, I sort of started in about 2012, <clears throat> 13. There was a transition. I mean, actually, after selling the clothing brand, I I took a couple of years off because. Um, it, I shouldn't have done, but I, I just did. And uh, I had young kids and I really enjoyed that time. Um, you can't, you can't get that time back. Uh, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with using that time. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a really, I think that's a really interesting point to make to people because we live <clears> in this world now, I think of, you know, this social media world where a lot of people out there are giving us that, that lifestyle of, you know, successes, private jets and Bentleys and certain types of car. And it's a very materially focused conversation. And, 
I, I feel like my life has been kind of inverted in some ways. Like I started off young and I was so fortunate and successful that this brand I created worked and I had money and I didn't think about money. I never had a financial target in my mm. life back then, <clears throat> but I, you know, luckily the money was there. And then I kind of, but I always prioritized time with the family and time with my kids. And as I went into that health and fitness journey, you know, at the expense of business and making money. And so obviously I found myself, I'd gone a bit too far and I was, I was kind of broke and then getting into debt and struggling a bit, uh, perhaps one extreme to the other. But um, I think it's such an important point is to understand what your personal definition of success is. Mm. And the fact that you probably don't need as much as you think or people tell you to to enjoy it and live it. Well, get to that question. Let's let's complete the story about where you, where you are. We'll get to that success thing. I think it's a very valid point. So, I yeah. mean, your passion is obviously the, this idea of living the vision. And you really are someone that works with their vision, by the sounds of it. I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> it, I try to and I'm trying to. And, I, and that's the whole thing. I think kind of life is a quest. Um, and uh, I'm I'm really very much on that quest. And. I'm trying to create, you know, well, reach the vision that I have. And really the vision I have is, you know, I, w- I want to help people sort of create uh, a life and a business that they love, uh, mainly a life that they love. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, based on their own terms, which, you know, we'll discuss kind of later. But, you know, for me, I'm kind of constantly exploring and tinkering and trying to optimize things because, um, you know, I haven't reached it yet. I haven't got the perfect balance of the areas of the financial side. Mm-hmm alongside the health and fitness side and the time freedom and i have i have this basically freedom but not in the kind of um rah-rah american sense no offense to any of your american listeners love all of you guys but not in the kind of like guns and you know kind of um uh that's that that vision of freedom but i I have very you know specific freedoms which is freedom of mind body time location and income and Mm -hmm. i'm sort of trying to kind of chase those down gradually Mm. so look we've got to this point where you are staring out the window crying how how yes. did you how did you alleviate that how did you get out of that hole that is a deep hole to be in yeah i mean you know i feel <clears throat> i always i'm always hesitant to talk about this because there are people out there who've had real problems you know sort of tragic things happen to them oh hang um, on a minute hang on a minute. let's but, let's put that let's, let's put that into some sort of context everybody's problem is is just as valid as everybody else's even though their problem may be they just lost a leg or just lost this in yeah. your head every problem is as deep as, as, as the deepest ravine. So, you know. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Let me qualify that because it's not to belittle anyone's problems, including my own. Mm. Problems are in 100% relevant to you and your circumstances. So that's not, for a listener going through a tough time, struggling with depression, mm. uh, who hasn't necessarily had a tragedy, they just find themselves in a pit, which is what happened to me. Um, that, and there was a financial component to that. And I think many people are in that. It, it doesn't make it any less valid or any less uh, traumatic. However, what I mean now with hindsight is when I look back on how blessed I was in many ways, but I couldn't see it. Um, that's why I sort of don't want to, I don't like getting too bogged down in this phase, but it is important because, uh, you know, for me, it was the end of the kind of, it, it actually almost felt like the end of the road. I, I couldn't see a way forwards. Uh, and so I kind of, you know, felt like a victim for a while to be well, honest look, there are people like in that situation <laughs> who would have leapt out the window you know what i mean it's like you know yeah. so, because people get to that point where there's no plan b i'm going yeah yeah and and you know i'm i'm a huge fan of the hero's journey and it influences all of my work now mm. and i'll come back to that later mm. but um and i use this with people because it's one of the most powerful frameworks you can have to understand your life where you are and where you could be mm. and i i wasn't familiar with this at the time so anyway i was struggling i was crying my eyes out i was like 
shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is not good. Um, and so I just started searching. I, there's this beautiful story. There's a guy called Osho, who a, was a crazy kind of Indian philosopher. He was called the Rolls Royce guru because like, people bought him lots of Rolls Royces and diamonds and things. But he's got this beautiful audio book, and it's called Meditations on Sufism. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, the mystical part of Islam. And it's nothing to do with religion. It's just a um, beautiful kind of audio book with different stories and approaches and ways of thinking. And there's this little parable in there called the parable of the sands. Um, and it's about a, a stream that is born, you know, young and fresh on a mountaintop. And it spends its life going down the mountain and it overcomes all obstacles in its way and rocks and logs in the way and goes around all the bends and everything's absolutely fine. And then as it matures, you know, it kind of picks up a bit of debris and gets lower in the, in the, into the foothills. And eventually, cut a long story short, it gets to the edge of the desert. And the edge of the desert is exactly where I found myself. And the edge of the desert is basically, if you stay there, you disappear, you get sort of sucked into the quagmire and you, you disappear. Uh, or you have to find a way to get across the desert, but nothing you've learned or done before will help you get across the desert because you actually have to completely change and transform yourself to make that leap. And you have to surrender, basically. So the story and the parable is that you have to you have to give up and you have to let go and you have to surrender. And then the heat of the desert sucks you up, sucks up the stream, what's left of it as kind of water vapor carries it across the desert in the clouds. And then it falls as a new stream on the other side. And this is, this is the hero's journey. It's transformation in a transformation. So anyway, I was there, I was on the edge of the desert and I was like, I'm going to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Okay. That's not working. I'm really am stuck now. So I'm going to have to change. So I just kept on listening to this audio book and I was kind of really depressed at the time. And it was a very dark place. Uh, and, I was very apathetic. I didn't care about anything and was very selfish, I think, at the time. Um, but I kept on listening to this story and it just was a, my, my little ray of light there in this, in this weird pit I was in. So um, eventually, after probably you know, like 50 times of listening, it started to you know, break through. Uh, and so I just started exploring and searching and looking for different ways. And really, there was one main problem I had, which was there was nothing wrong with my business and my ideas and the talent I had and what I could do and how much I could help people. I couldn't communicate to people like I didn't know how to communicate and share my message and explain what I did and the value of what I did and why they needed it. And so I couldn't market myself. Mm. And in health and fitness, unfortunately, and this is something I'm a little bit dedicated to changing within the industry in the health and fitness industry, it's about marketing. And I, so I went on these courses and attended these workshops and things. And there was always this little saying, the best marketer always wins. The best marketer always wins. And I was like, no, fuck that. That's absolutely unacceptable. It really should be about the best coach who knows how to market wins. And so I started sort of basically learning. And I knew a lot about health and fitness and ch changing people's lives. I had a lot of life experience myself, but I didn't know about marketing. So I started to study and I spent like tens of thousands of pounds investing in coaches and mentors. And these, these um, a lot of them are charlatans, these kind of business coaches who um, help other coaches, you know, make money uh, with tactical systems. And all I learned was what we call in inadequacy marketing. So it was manipulative marketing that's basically digging into the pain people have and exploiting it a little bit to try and sell them something. Oh, here's my, my quick fix, which is going to, you know, solve your problems. And it doesn't work like that, unfortunately, which is why, even though we've got all this beautiful information out there, people are sort of, you know, 
more overweight and less healthy than we've ever been at any point in human history. Well, now we're in a world where we've all the information is everywhere, but the, now what we lack is implementation. We lack uh, wisdom, like the wisdom economy. It's like how, yeah, exactly how to implement it yeah. and what works for you. Um, so, so you know, that's that's fascinating. We can talk more about that. But for, for the journey side of things, so I went on this deep dive for a couple of years, learning about marketing, learning everything. But I couldn't bring myself to do it because I, I I felt really dirty every time I tried to go with the, like, hey, lose lose fat in 12 weeks and I can help you get a six pack. And because I that was not why I was in the health and fitness industry. I was there to help people become the best version of themselves mm. mentally emotionally spiritually physically nutrition understand these things and like educate people so that i could get rid of them and they could go and look after themselves but that was hard to sell <laughs> so anyway i had a, fr- a friend at the time who lived in italy and he was running he was in a really similar place but he was a, like a photographer and a designer and doing web design and he was doing okay but he was really struggling to market and communicate and get clients and so we sort of teamed up and we were studying things. And then one day he called me from Italy and said, I've got it. I've, I've found this thing. And it's basically the hero's journey. It's Joseph Campbell's work and the hero's journey and the structure and the elements that underpin story. And so we started diving into this and studying it. And it was the game changer. It was like the, the penny dropped and it's like, this is the missing piece. Because with story, if you structure it well and understand it, you can actually use... Um, aspirational marketing you can start to lead people towards an aspirational vision and a a better future rather than like digging into their pain and manipulating it and then getting them to buy stuff because they're they're hurting so this was awesome uh and then one thing that came out of this was we both realized that we actually didn't want to use it in our own businesses we wanted to teach other people this cool story stuff so we we kind of wound up our other businesses and again made a leap and we we teamed up and we launched a business called Brand Lighthouse because we were going to help brands be the lighthouses you know that would kind of pull their customers in and so we we targeted people like ourselves micro entrepreneurs solopreneurs little tiny micro businesses and we did some workshops and people loved it and it was really helpful and it was super cool but you know they didn't have much money again it's just like the t-shirts at portobello market yeah. so i needed a higher value product i needed a, a snowboarding jacket version of story workshop yeah so we um we kind of started targeting bigger companies and corporate entities uh but doing very similar work and then four years later we we, we you know we have a third partner so it's me massey and saskia and we've all we're all co-founders of this um agency called rare partners which is based in milan and here and it's a digital communication agency but that uses the power of story to um, help brands and businesses and individuals tell a better story wow it's been fascinating to hear to hear your journey in the process and uh do you see yourself as the hero of it um one of the absolutely everyone's a hero so we have we have multiple stories going on mm. now as a as a coach which I still am on the side and I'm doing more coaching as a, um, as a brand owner and agency owner and to customers, very much not the hero. No, we're the the mentor. Mm -hmm. And it's really important. This is a huge mistake that almost all brands and people make when they're trying to market themselves is they set themselves up as the hero, but there's only room for one hero in a story and it's the customer Mm -hmm. because really the customer needs something and they're looking for something and it's about them and it's about their story. So your role, is a, a, to be a mentor, to be a guide who shows up with empathy and authority and says, look, I can help you achieve your dreams. But obviously I'm also a hero in my own journey, my, hmm. my sort of quest I have to, um, yeah. to, 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 you know, create this, this dream 
dream business and life, which I'm getting closer and closer and closer to. You know, it's like they're, they're all evolution so far and they're all really lovely. And, and it may change again. You know, that's the point. I mean, we live we live in a, in a changing world and they say nowadays careers change every 10 years nowadays and, it, and it's, and it's going to get it's, it's not going to get any easier for us going forward. So. Yeah, for me, it's about every seven years. But yeah, I think I think that's very, very true. You know, we we the world has changed in the last two years because of the pandemic and all of mm. these things, and the way we work has changed, and it's become blended and meshed. And mm. you know, people like people are working from home. They're kind of on Zoom meetings. It's very kind of um, you know, life work has become blended a little bit. But the world hasn't kind of caught up with that yet. So I think, yeah, what you say is very true. And I'd imagine that life cycle is going to get shorter and shorter. Mm. And also with the gig economy, you know, there's 6 million people in the UK, 57 million people in the US in the, in the gig economy, which is kind of freelancers who are doing all sorts of stuff. Back to you and this success model. And I asked that question. I mean, you've touched on it well, well before. You know, the success model is something that we grew up with. It's this idea, and you say it's, it's, it's partly the American dream, but it's also the structure that society uses. You're supposed to progress through society, through this idea of education, work, family, and ultimately, you know, building assets and ultimately retirement. That's the model yeah. we're supposed to operate. 100%. You know, it's what Tim Ferriss beautifully articulated in his book, The Four Hour Work Week, which, you know, if you haven't read, I mean, everyone will have read it. But if you haven't, just order it now and read it because, you know, it's um, it was written a while ago, but it's it's um, it's a catalyst. It, it contains principles which will help you think differently. But, yeah, it's, the, it's what he calls the, the deferred life plan. It's like mm-hmm. work your ass off nine to five for the best years of your life, doing something that you probably don't like and are not connected with maybe even hate and then you retire <coughs> so that you can relax and play golf and go on holiday but you're you've probably sacrificed your health and your mental health certainly in the is that originally the idea was you did your 40 years your body was knackered at the end of those 40 years because it was hard labor and you pottered around for four years and you died with a few you know with a few hobbies you kept yourself busy until you just popped off but of course now most of us are going to live till 70 80 maybe even 90 that's a lot of time after retirement it's a new career so so that's the thing about now we've actually got to find what we actually want to do with ourselves what well, what this life is all about <laughs> yeah what's what's your purpose <laughs> yeah. uh, i think i think that's a, that does that's a huge part you know and i think um i think there's a there is a correlation i can't dig out the numbers <laughs> but there's a correlation between you know kind of like busy people, especially entrepreneurs, you know, business owners and things like that between, you know, retiring and kind of a decline in health when they no longer have like that real purpose and kind of mission to carry out. The other thing about longer lifespans is, you know, it's fantastic. You know, Western medicine is incredible in many ways. And we have these beautiful long kind of lifespans, but a hugely important thing is um, quality of life. Mm. And not everyone has that quality of life in their later years. Um, sometimes it's unavoidable, but sometimes it's because when we, when we you know, are focused on that financial game, which let's face it, let's not, let's not be kind of too idealistic here. Everyone is, you know, we all have to meet Maslow's kind of, you know, the hierarchy of needs, the kind of physiological needs at the base of the pyramid. You know, we need safety, survival, sustenance. Yeah. And that's, that's our, that's our reptilian kind of reflex, our, our drives that, mm. that's built into everyone. Um, so we're all, we're all trying to pay the bills and kind of make a living and, um, you know, get by. Um, but I think the thing is, is that so many people sacrifice their health 
Uh, and, you know, a lot of people in their kind of they, uh, talk about this window, not to single out these people, but a lot of people in their 40s, mid 40s, who are most of the people I, I coach, they, 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 they're tired all of the time. They're one or two stone overweight. They're kind of a little bit lost their mojo, but they, they, they're, they're in the money trap, which is they usually own a business or they have a high paid job and they're bringing in quite a lot of money, but they're spending it all on, you know, whatever, just life keeping up, you know, because they have high expenses as well as high income. And a lot of them are really quite unhappy. And the problem and the reason that this is important is that people don't value health and fitness and mental health enough. But you've got this window in your 40s to you know 50s where you actually need to catch these things. And if you don't, unfortunately, they can, if you leave them too long, they can turn into kind of more serious health concerns when you get a little bit further down the line. Mm. And um, it, it, often, not always, but often it's really simple, beautiful stuff that we can control like food, hydration, exercise, you know, um, type 2 diabetes, for example, you know, the number of people with type 2 diabetes doubled up until 1996. And then it's set to double again from 1996 to, I think it was, I mean, I think we've even passed the milestone, maybe 2020 or maybe 2025, but the number's massive with type 2 diabetes. And, you know, that is one of the conditions in most circumstances that you can actually avert or even sometimes reverse if it's early enough with food what you eat and exercise like just going and moving and it doesn't have to be expensive stuff either yeah the uh, uh the uh the, the tv physician michael mosley he had type 2 precursor and he did the 5-2 diet which and that's how he's how he got he he healed himself of it basically he doesn't have it anymore yeah exactly you know and there are all these um diseases of inflammation that we yeah. don't know about and it's fascinating i don't want to go too, too no, deep indeed. into that but no, you know i get kind of uh gets my brain going oh, yeah well it's a rabbit hole that we can easily go down because we're both interested in the subject so we have to be careful so let, let's go back to your success model well, we, we touched on it how so how do you now define success and i mean obviously it must have changed because when you had the early brand it was about building that brand and how has that changed for you over time and what do you look at success now yeah i mean I, i'd say definition my like my definition of success um is you know i'm still kind of defining it and trying to nail it down so it's super slick but i think really you know it's um when i achieve it which i haven't quite done yet it's going to be having the kind of business that i have now very very similar with the agency side of things but there'll be more coaching again because i stopped coaching people for a while to build up the agency there'll be more hands-on work and coaching and it's going to be basically a little bit more connected to the purpose of um, helping people optimize themselves so that they can create a life that they love. So if I can reach as many people as possible one at a time and kind of uh, unplug them from the matrix, if you like, uh, and help change their body and health and you know, kind of mindset, um, then for me, that's, that's the definition of success. And if I can make um, enough money each year to do the things that I want to do, so like have a Tesla, um, you know, go on adventures. And I'm not a big traveler because I try, I, I tend to try not to fly and things like that. I'm a little bit conscious of, you know, my carbon footprint, but I like adventures. I want to go snowboarding sometimes and we'll drive it by electric, you know, to, to the mountains. I want to go stand up paddling. I want to go surfing. I want to be able to have the freedom to create stuff. So for me, this, this success definition is really based around freedom. It's like the freedom to kind of do what I want when I want not luxury yachts and jetting off to luxury locations, but like, it, you know, just to be able to 
be more in control of my time mm. uh, and have the financial resources to explore the next things on my path, which is like um, a little bit becoming a bit more of a spiritual path um, in mm. terms of like something I feel that's missing, you know, a little connection I've, I feel that's been missing while I've been chasing stuff and, um, you know, building businesses over the last 20 something years. So what do you see as your contribution to the world? I think it's very simple. It's like, you know, a lot of people now, uh, I don't know if you know who Peter Diamandis is. The, he's, mm. um, he's an American guy who's very interesting. And he, he sort of, he, he launched something called the X Prize. Uh, and so the first one was um, the, the kind of uh, private space race, basically. It was called the Ansari X Prize. And he managed to get a really wealthy uh, family, the Ansari family, to stump up $10 million. And it was, a, I think, a two-year competition, maybe three years, where anyone could form a team and c- compete to create a spaceship uh, that was reusable, that could go into orbit and then come back and be reused. And obviously the win- winner was the Virgin Galactic one mm. that was, you know, then Richard Branson kind of swooped in and licensed it. So um, he started off doing that and now he, he runs something called Singularity University and he's, he's like a prolific kind of blogger and thinker and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I find him interesting. Um, and so basically, uh, what did you ask me again? I've completely forgotten why. Your, con- the con- your contribution. <laughs> How do you see your contribution to the world? Thank you. Yeah. So one of the things that he's popularized is having an MTP, a massively transformative purpose. You know, how are you going to help a billion people and oh, right, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, yeah. And I spent I spent a while thinking, well, what's my MTP? You know, what, what's my thing? And then I realized actually I don't have one because my my purpose, my contribution is that if I can unplug, and I say unplug, um, but if I can help one person optimize themselves, really build true health from the inside out and create a life that they love, a business yeah. that they love, maybe, yeah. then that person is going to radiate out to other people around them and set an example. And so I want to create this cascade effect, one person at a time, because we all have to change the way we're living, the way we're thinking and the way we are working and our ambitions and our conversation around success, because the planet basically can't sustain people who want to um, consume too many material things for too much longer. So my kind of mission is to just help one person at a time and then they help other people. And we have a little bit of a kind of ripple effect basically to change things. I mean, clearly I I almost know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. How do you contribute to yourself? How do I contribute to myself? Yeah. In, 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 in like sort of what way in just in my, you know, health, uh, kind of, well, it, you know, it's, it can be with anything you like, but I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's very easy to contribute and put, put out and out and out. But so what do you do for you? Because that's why I think that's it's people, people burn themselves out serving everybody else a lot of the time and they don't serve themselves. So how do you serve yourself? Uh, and that's a, a lovely question. Um, <clears throat> skateboarding. Mm-hmm. I've got these ah, long yes. boards up here. Yeah, I absolutely nice. love just, yeah, it's another way I get into flow. Uh, and these steel, steel maces, uh, which are these cool things you swing. Um, for me, it's always been movement-based. You know, yeah. I, I, if, I, if I don't move uh, enough, I, I, I'm not a good person. I'm not a fun person to be around. I get cross. I, you know, I, I'm climbing the walls. And my body <laughs> doesn't feel good. And I kind of need to express myself with movement. Um, so that's one way. But really, uh, ultimately, um, awareness. I'm... I'm cultivating awareness at the moment. I've had some health uh, issues, not serious at all, but um, stress-related and kind of long COVID-related and stuff like that um, over the last year and a half. And they forced me to stop 
riding myself so hard and pushing so hard and like kind of um you know i have to reduce my stress levels and it's it's given me a new level of awareness that actually even though i blow the trumpet of health most of the time i am still a, a student and you know i have to keep i talk about three circles uh, there's the i circle which is you and everything that's related to your values and the things you need to do mm. to be the best version of yourself and it sits at the center of two other circles the next one is the we circle mm. which is then relationships with other people and then there's the all circle and i've had to kind of go back into the i circle and realize that I, i've got to clean up a few things there and i've got to make some improvements there so i have more to give to the we and the all circles mm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean that yeah we we do have to look after ourselves and that, and that's the yeah. one thing that I, I I've become really acutely aware of, you know. This life is actually for me. It's my life to lead how I want to, you know. And it's like having other things call on my attention or be more important than me is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I think yeah, you're absolutely you know, clients, right. Clients, like I, you know, I, well, there was a period of time when I was like yeah, the beck and call of clients. Hang on a minute, you know, like my life is theirs. <laughs> how how did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, it's because we're conditioned, you know, because everyone else is doing it and we've been conditioned. Um, and, you know, it's not not kind of conspiracy stuff, but it does serve certain power structures, I think, to have people distracted in the game of like, got to get more, got to get more so I can do this and pay this and keep up. And, you know, and I think that's um, that's folly. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, if you could fall in love with life and this is really it's such a simple thing to do, mm. but it's super hard. If you can fall in love with life again, you know, if you can, if you can wake up with the beginner's mind of like, oh my God, like I'm alive one. So I've kind of, you know, as, as a, as a guy, I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to, he came on my podcast a while ago, an interesting American character, but his, his version is like, I won the fucking lottery. I woke up today. I'm alive. So I got to just, you know, so, but my version is, you know, if, if you're alive, if you woke up, that's amazing. And just actually look, slow down. You know, you have 37.2 trillion cells in your body, average human body. That is just a miracle. And then they're all working together in harmony, hopefully to kind of, keep you functioning and do cool stuff and then you go out and look outside um whether you're in the city whether you're in the countryside and just like fall in love with it again and understand how incredible all of this stuff is and here's the coolest part is that whoever you are and whatever you're doing or not doing or haven't done or want to do wherever you feel you are in your life it's just it's this incredible jigsaw puddle puzzle not puddle <laughs> jigsaw puzzle and your piece of it is unique and it's needed you know, you're needed to complete the jigsaw, whoever you are, and you're important and you matter. And so, yeah, do what, do what Paul said, basically, you know, realize that you should be in control of things as much as you can. It takes a while to get there. Sometimes if you're, if you're trapped in a job you don't love now and you want to leave, you can't just leap out or you could, you could do what I did, but it can be risky. But, you know, as long as you fall back in love with it and you believe in yourself and realize that your puzzle piece is important and you matter and you're cool and you're important, then I think good things will happen. Mm. I have to say one thing about what you just said, this idea about being in a job you don't like. What I realize is you have to find something about that job that you like or you love before you leave it. Because if you leave a job with that, I hate this job and I'm leaving it, when you find the new job, you will probably hate that one too. There is something great, about nice. there is something about this. You have got to find the the joy in something before you move on from it, because you just will recreate it. 
Yeah, that's the lovely idea. That's, you know, reframing, isn't it? And, you know, yeah. it, it, exactly. Like w- when you're in that situation, and this is such a good exercise as well, you know, take out a, a journal and, um, you know, Paul's idea here, turn it into a little activity that you can do. Because I think we, we listen to podcasts and we don't take action and we go on to another episode. But if you pause for five minutes, take out a sheet of paper and, you know, whatever that situation is, like I believe in this concept called <clears throat> reality hacking. Uh, and basically you are in control of reality. Uh, you know, like Einstein said, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. And you can create your own reality within reason. Okay. You know, not crazy stuff, not magic. So the, the de- decisions and choices you make on a daily basis and the actions, and this is the all important thing, the patterns you have, create the results you have, create the life you have. And if you <clears> want different results, then you need to make different decisions, choices, and actions. And it takes a while. There's this weird jet lag on it. So it's like with weight loss, you know, people do the eight week programs and they're like, I'm, I'm dieting and I'm, you know, kind of crushing myself in the gym and I'm doing everything I should, but I haven't got results. Well, it's because there's a delay. There's a jet lag on results and you have to be patient and you have to be, you know, consistent. But um, I love that idea. Yeah. You know, reframe things and mm. find that positive in what you're doing. Uh, and then, you know, it'll totally change your but, mind. See, that's that the modern world. We're so used to the instant fix, aren't we? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, what, what, I, what I don't understand, why people can't see this, and I know I have this with clients as well, it's like, hang on a minute, it took you 20 years to get to this point. You ain't going to change this overnight. I mean, it might not take you 20 years to reverse it, but it might take more than one. <laughs> you can change things super quickly. Uh, it's like there's a book, like um, there's a guy called, Oh, I can't remember his, his surname now. I've got it on my bookshelf, but it's Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll think of the surname and you will share it with your audience. But um, he, he, he started this blog years ago called The Art of Nonconformity. And it's like, mm. he always had a dream of being a writer. Uh, and he, so he just started writing and blogging and, you know, gradually grew his profile and published some books. And I remember he, he released this really cool ebook once, which was like 248 Days to Overnight Success. <laughs> it's, that, it's that idea of the fact that he released an ebook and suddenly it was really popular and everyone, he pinged up on people's radars and they're like, oh, he's popped out of nowhere. But he shared that it, it had been a long journey of sitting in coffee shops in New York writing and being paid nothing to get to that point. And I think, you know, so yeah, things can change. If you can make a decision and things can change like this, but you know, you've got to be clear on what it is and mm. that usually takes work. So look, we're coming to the end of our time, but what's the question, the one question you, that you want people to ask of themselves or that you like people to ask you? The one question I would like people to ask of themselves is why do you not believe in yourself? Hmm. Like, well, and actually, no, let me reframe that. What would it take for you to believe in yourself? And do you have a, uh, you know, an exercise that can get people in touch with that thing or something that could help them on the way to that? Because that's, that opens a big door. (laughs) It it opens a a, a really, really big door. I mean, um, it comes back to your story, Mm. you know, your, your personal story and stories are super powerful because, they're kind of made up of many, many elements from our lives, but really our stories, you know, it's, it's like the, your mindset is, you know, your belief system, what you believe about yourself to be true, who you are, what you're capable of. Uh, and I would say that, you know, you can write out your current, if you're struggling with something, it could be financial, it could be weight loss related, it could be relationship related, it could be this big thing now, this like uh, the ring donut, we've all, all got this hole in the middle, this missing piece called purpose and meaning. You could be struggling with that. If you're struggling with something now, 
you've probably got a story in your head like you know i have weak willpower i can't lose weight i tried before it didn't work i just you know blah 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 um you know i i just don't know what my purpose is it's too overwhelming and i don't think i've got a big purpose or um any number of stories the story you have in your head drives your decisions your choices your actions your behavior your life and that whole reality that you're creating for yourself usually unconsciously so a great thing to do is like write out your story so it doesn't mean once upon a time you know but you write out who you think you are what you think you're capable of why you think you can't lose weight or make a million pounds or if that's what you want or have a happier relationship um or you, why you think you can't find your purpose. And then look at it and challenge that story. You do this thing called walking the block where you go, okay, so that's the story I've written out with these false ideas about myself and what I'm capable of. So now I'm going to walk the block. I'm going to go around the story. I'm going to say, okay, so what is basically um, the opposite version of that? Mm. And what's the version? what's the version that's my fault? And then watch the version I'd like, the, the last one, you know, like what's the desired version? And that's the, th that's the second story. You then write out the story you would like. Mm, and it's nice. not like magic. You don't suddenly go, oh, hey, yeah, I, I want to be a millionaire who's got 8% body fat and has the happiest relationship in the world. It sort of doesn't really work like that. But it's very powerful if you rewrite the story of that there's nothing wrong with me and I'm more than capable of achieving what that goal is but i might not have the right mindset i might not have the right skill sets at the moment but i can get those mm. and that's what i mean by the belief is that so many people sell themselves short you know you have so much potential with inside you inside yourself but we don't know how to kind of tap into it you know a lot of people feel it but they just don't know how to start unlocking it uh, and it starts with belief it really really does yep. it starts with belief absolutely it starts with belief in those stories and the stories can be implanted by different people one thing that i my mother told me at some point when i was probably a late teenager get a job get a good job and stick with it i did i stayed yeah. in that, i stayed in that job for 20 years and it was the, and i should not have stayed but i did but bless her bless her because you know she was loving you the best mm. she knew how with what she had at the time yeah, absolutely. and, and she, you know she's thinking about safety and security and all of that cool stuff and, and it's absolutely awesome but the world has radically changed and also you know you you're that lovely puzzle piece that's different to everyone else's puzzle piece and you know that wasn't your path there's no. another cool thing sorry really quickly um ikigai yes you know the japan yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. When, it, when it comes to sort of purpose and those sorts of things that's a really cool exercise to do have a look at ikigai and you know um you can we've find covered that. that on the podcast before and i'll, I'll drop a link to it. i've done the podcast set, so i'll cover that one because it's a, a little always just look it up basically google it there's loads of stuff out there and then do it so ollie what is it you do for people and who do you want to speak to oh that's that that's exciting um so as a coach i help people optimize their health to have more energy basically because everyone's tired all of the time so i help people improve their health so that they have more energy they feel kind of like they've got robust health and fitness they lose a little bit of weight and they feel really good about themselves uh, i help people upgrade their mindset so believe in themselves get very clear on who they are and what they want in life and why it's important to them and help build a roadmap to go and get it uh, and then i help people create businesses and lives that they love um that's 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 my intention as a coach that's what i do with different types of client uh, many of those are business owners and uh, or entrepreneurs some of them have corporate jobs um but those are the people i i have worked with uh, a lot over the past um yeah 
And how would people people find you and find out more about this? So uh, the best thing to do is you can find me on Instagram at OllieHT. Uh, I have a small but engaged following on Instagram and I'm always welcoming new people to come in and ask questions and interact. Uh, I have a podcast, which is called Torchbearer. Mm -hmm. uh, And we're in season two now and I have different guests in who... Uh, they have something really unique about what they do and they can teach you things that uh, will help you, you know, create that life you love or improve your health, your fitness, biohacking business, all of those sorts of things. Um, Yeah. And you know, that that's probably the best thing. And then we also have a couple of courses. Um, So we teach people two things in particular, aside from the health and mindset coaching uh, under rare partners, the the kind of um, agency I have, we have a course called Torchbearer as well. And it's for people who want to start a brand, a personal brand, a business, become a coach or a consultant, but they don't understand how to tell their story like, like my story back in, you know, when I was stuck in that pit. We now take people through a 12-week experience where we teach them what story is, three key stories they need to tell. Then we teach them how to structure or create a brand, a system, um, you know, something like that. And then we sh- uh, help them share it at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's Torchbearer. Well, look, all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. And so do check it out there and um, do get in touch with Ollie. He's a nice guy. So, final question that we ask all of our guests What's the meaning of life? What's it all about? Oh, this is such a good question. I was looking forward to this one because <laughs> I bet, you know, I, I, I haven't listened to all of the answers that you've had. And, you know, everyone has a different take on this. There's a, there's a great quote. I don't know who came up with it, which is like, you know, opinions are like arseholes everybody's got one mm. uh and uh so but i think the thing is is that my first mentor is this guy called paul check who has a great podcast living 4d with paul check lives in california he he's you know he's, he's fascinating um and he used to answer this question like what's the meaning of life what's you know what's the purpose of life what's life about the meaning of life the purpose of life is to live and I've always defaulted to this because not because I'm being lazy, because I think it's absolutely true. You know, it's, it, there's this incredible life out there if you will allow yourself to go and experience it. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's living. It's going out and enjoying things and breathing and moving and eating and socializing, uh, not because it's a hedonistic approach, but just because, you know, that's how humans are designed to go and live and do, do stuff. And when you have you know, a nice kind of dream and a vision and something you want to build on the horizon. Um, it tends to drag you forward. So yeah, yeah, I think the, the, the purpose is to live. Thank you so much for that. I mean, you know, there's, there's, that's the point. Everyone has to come up with their own journey, their own, their own idea, what life is for them I mean, and to live it. That's the point. And that's, that's all it matters really, as long as you're living what you think it's all about. And as long as you remember that you're on a, a hero's journey, each everybody listening to this is an individual hero. Yeah. And there's a pattern to the hero's journey, and it's meant to have challenges and pitfalls, and it's meant to have a climactic moment that nearly takes you out, you know, the, the, the belly of the beast, the main ordeal. Yeah. But that's important because the real purpose of the hero's journey is transformation. It's inner transformation. And that stuff changes you and gives you life experience. And then actually it gives you this gift you bring back to other people. So if I hadn't gone through that sort of weird period of my life and the depression and the debt and the feeling absolutely fucking stuck, um, I wouldn't be able to coach people in the way I do now. So it's kind of meant to happen. A lot of it, not all of it. Yeah. Ollie Herman Taylor. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a joy to have you on the program. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, Paul. Thank you for inviting me on here. All the best. 
And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Ollie Herman Taylor. Now, if you've resonated with Ollie and you'd like to get in touch with him, you can find him at ollihermantaylor.com. There's also the brand agency, which is rarepartners.com. And his podcast, which you can find on most podcast apps, it's called Torchbearer with Ollie Herman Taylor. As you heard, he's not a big one for social media, but you can find him on LinkedIn and on Facebook. All of those links will be at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because you know your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery and it's at the amazing price of just 12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.